Hi, I'm Greg Eulen with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today's a fun episode. I get to talk with Owen Moon, uh, co-founder of Fixed Ops Digital, a company that's been around for uh, for quite a while, but looking forward to the conversation and, and seeing where it goes. Owen actually just uh, joined forces and sold his company to Trade Pending, um, so looking forward to, to hearing about that, among other things. Owen, thanks so much for, for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to this. Absolutely. So, Owen, maybe start with a little background on you, kind of how you got into auto retail uh, and, and what you've been doing since you've been in. Obviously, it's been quite a quite a journey, quite a ride and, and just had a new twist uh, here, you know, a couple months, a couple months ago. But uh, share a little bit of your background, if you don't mind. Yeah, I've had an interesting run in, in the automotive industry. Um, uh, it's, you know, I consider myself kind of an OG of the of the industry. Uh, this is my 23rd year actually uh, working with car dealerships. Uh, started right out of college. I, I thought I was going to actually uh, become a stockbroker or like a financial planner. Um, you know, that was kind of what I was preparing for schooling. But uh, I always had this love for marketing. And so um, as I was in college, I was I was taking both uh, courses about, you know, for financial planning and, and finance and things like that. But I was also kind of piggybacking that with some marketing courses because I, I really felt like even if I got into whatever sector of, of business or, or life I got into to, to be able to market yourself and, and to market your company obviously is a, uh, you know, valuable across the board. So once I got out of college, I, I realized that I wasn't, um, cut out for the, uh, selling money business, uh, it too boring <laughs> for me. So I, uh, I jumped into marketing and, uh, interesting enough, I, I landed at an agency that was automotive and, you know, coming from Southwest Minnesota, not really having, um, a lot of experience buying cars, uh, didn't have a new car until after I was uh, done with, with college, um, didn't really know anything about the industry. So, you know, I dove head first uh, in, and I had an interesting journey because um, most marketers, you know, will end up working for a radio station or, a, you know, back in the back in those days, you know, maybe a, a newspaper um, where you're kind of focusing on one little area and uh, you don't really get to see the uh, maybe the inside of, of the business as much. And um, my journey was a little different in that we had this uh, infomercial program where we were helping with subprime. And so I spent my huh. first um, 24 months traveling around the country, setting up um, subprime departments, uh, which were very new back in the uh, early 2000s. And so uh, it gave me a, a chance to really be on the uh, internal uh, side of the, the dealership and learn it from the inside out. And, uh, you know, that was valuable information that was able to be able to get carried you know, through my career. And uh, I even find myself now as we are strategizing and, and kind of looking at the industry today, kind of can learn from the past, right? And sometimes some of the things that uh, that I see happening today were things that I recognize that were maybe um, challenges or opportunities in the industry, you know, even even 20 years ago when I was kind of just, just starting out. So um, yeah, I've been very blessed. It's obviously been an industry that's uh, provided me a lot of opportunity and, um, you know, I, I, it's been a crazy journey. I think, the you know, the industry obviously is ever evolving, but uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. And uh, I've enjoyed, enjoyed really, uh, you know, being an ambassador for uh, the automotive industry. So, yeah, you know, it's crazy how, how so many things, but uh, so many things change, but then they also stay the same. Right. You talked about yeah. problems that they just keep coming around and they, they look a little different. Right. But at their core, they're the same problems. And, uh you know, it's, that's what makes this business fun is you, you solve it and then it kind of evolves and you solve it again and it, and it evolves. And, um, you know, we, we're never done, right? Never done making oh, it better. Sure. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So how'd you go from setting up subprime departments to focused on fixed operations? 
Yeah. Um, well, you know, from fixed ops, uh, we were, I mean, sorry, from the subprime side, um, I found out really quick that like I couldn't spend my entire life on the road. Right. So, uh, cause we were setting up, you know, apartments for 90 days and going in and actually setting up the banks and helping set up the inventory and the advertising. So we were kind of a full, uh, it's almost like a full solution. And so we really kind of took some of those relationships and catapulted them into doing more full service. Uh, the, the, the agency that I was with, uh, they were a big uh, full service agency um, in their prime. And so, um, you know, that was just kind of one of one of the things that we realized that like, hey, we can, you know, still do some of the subprime stuff, but then also evolve into more of what they call full service, you know, agency work and that type of thing. And so, you know, I just was kind of plugging along doing that for for years, um, helping dealerships, you know, and about 2000 and I think it was end of 17, uh, I got introduced to um, my business partners um, from the fix out digital side, and they were they were doing something that was kind of unique. They were uh, building out um, uh, standalone websites, right, for service. And uh, so I, you know, I kind of helped them put a few stores, you know, together, and, and we, you know, kind of launched a couple sites, and and uh, just to kind of get an idea of kind of what they were doing and, and kind of how it was affecting um, the business side of it, and then realized really fast that. Uh, a lot of the OEMs were not liking the fact that you were that people you know had standalone websites. So uh, we we kind of put together Fixops Digital uh, early 2018 um, and realized that what they were doing on standalone sites, we could take that same idea and that same concept and actually uh, build out that infrastructure on the uh, the you know the dealership's main uh, what I call OEM website or franchise website. And uh, it was really a, an area that was very neglected. I mean. Most of these, it's still today, you know, it's it's amazing. Uh, even after us being around for five years and, and me screaming from the rooftops, all the things that, that need to happen on the uh, the service side of the website, um, I still see it every day where dealerships have neglected that piece of it. And, uh, you know, really just focusing on sales, focusing on new cars, used cars, uh, digital retailing, obviously, as, as you know, has become a huge, huge uh, part of, you know, that, that whole process or that whole uh, experience that we're providing consumers, but just not a really, really well thought out way to help dealerships who are looking to not necessarily buy a car, but, you know, service a car. So, yeah, no, you're, you're spot on, but I am curious from your perspective, um, why does it matter, right? You look at a service department and there's not a, well, maybe there's one, but there, there are very, very few in the country, um, that are sitting there and they got text twiddling their thumbs, right? They're, they have open bays that they, they just can't yeah. get cars into. Everybody's busy. Everybody's backed up. Um, you know, they, they, the issue is, is way more often than not capacity versus trying to get people in and demand. So when you think about that, and I think if I'm a, if I'm a dealer and I, I walk back to my, you know, my service drive and I walk back to the shop and everything's full, everything's humming. Um, you know, why do I need to focus on my online presence when it comes to fixed stops? Obviously what I'm doing already is working. Yeah. It's a, it's a loaded question, man, because it is, <laughs> you, we could peel back so many uh, layers of that onion. Uh, you wouldn't even, you, we would, we would need a whole day to talk about it, but let me give you a couple key things on why it matters. First off, it matters because we're still only getting about 30 cents out of every dollar that comes in. Right. So not necessarily um, how busy we are, but how profitable we are. And that's something that we really focus on with our team and, and with my performance team that, you know, goes out and, works with the dealerships every day. It's not just about filling the bays with prepaid maintenance or with those lower dollar ROs. It's actually trying to become more of 
the authority when that customer needs you, right? So when somebody says, "Oh man, I've got an I've got a uh, you know problem with my alignment service or my transmission's knocking," where do they think of first? And a lot of times they don't think of the dealership because the dealership has not done a good job of setting them up as the authority, right? Um, and that kind of ties into another key thing that I think that you know why you need to have a presence out online is that why are customers uh, shopping, right? When they're shopping online, a lot of times it's because they're now in a customer pay scenario or they're now you know trading their dollars for um, you know for services. And I think a lot of times people do not want to pay for service anyways but they definitely don't want to overpay for service. And so when you're not just competing against the franchises, but you're also competing with the Jiffy Lubes and the, in the independents, um, you know, you, we, we lose a lot of that um, ability to, uh, I guess, you know, show our, our, that we're the right choice um, if somebody's just looking for price. And so, you know, we're just trying to make sure that we're not only getting our, our, you know, services out there uh, for the dealerships and, and make sure that they, you know, are transparent with some of that pricing strategies and and just kind of you know what exactly it's going to take to get that vehicle fixed for that service, but then also tell them the story of the dealership. Why you know why should you come to a dealership that has uh, you know the certified technicians, or why should you come to the dealership that's got the right technology and equipment to handle these sophisticated vehicles, um, as opposed to just going to save you know ten dollars on a service, but not sure if you're really getting the the right kind of service for your um, for your vehicle because ultimately most most people I mean I think we've gone over 13 years now is the average uh, age of a vehicle you know on the on the uh, on the road so there's no doubt that we are going to have to service these vehicles longer and uh, you just want to make a good decision as a consumer and that's kind of where we come in to to help our dealerships. Yeah, no, that's great. And let's talk through, if you don't mind, a little bit the um, I guess flow of a consumer when buying service, right? When yeah. making that decision. Cause I always, I, I tend to look at, um, service in two buckets, right? And you, you effectively have, uh, maintenance and you have repairs, right? And on the maintenance side, you have the opportunity as a, as a dealership or a shop or whoever to be proactive with your services, right? Those are services that are going to need done. Um, but they're not necessarily urgent, right? So you can pull in a consumer. One of the cool things that, that I know you guys have done in the past, you probably still do, um, is, is look at whether, uh, based on the dealership, right. And be able to put, um, specials together. Um, you know, if, if it's raining today, you know, BOGO wiper blades or whatever the deal is, um, and be able to advertise that, put it on the site. Um, but you have the opportunity with maintenance stuff to be proactive and to advertise proactively with repair work though, which is the work that you want to your point, it's the stuff you're going to make more money on, right? It's more profitable. Um, in a lot of ways it's reactive rather than, rather than proactive, right? It's very difficult for me to, to reach out to you and say, Hey, when you start hearing knocking in your, your valve train, you call me, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it. it's you hear it or your car breaks down in an intersection or, or you limp home because, you know, something's going on with the, you know, the fuel injectors or the coils or something and, and you limp home and immediately you look. So from a, a supplier's perspective, from a dealership's perspective, I have to serve up ads, right, to pull people in in a reactive way. Um, so how do you balance and how do you walk through thinking about that that repair work, that, that reactive work, All right? What's the, the ad look like? Cause that's your first impression, right? You get, hmm. um, okay. I want to select, you know, 
this dealership over this independent. So the ad's the first impression, and then you get them to the site, and then you have a lot of content on the site to finish the sale, basically. But um, I don't know. I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. That's a, that's a long-winded uh, way to ask a pretty basic question of walk me through your thoughts on, on the consumer buying process when it comes to repair work. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I always I always kind of make a joke when I'm speaking or, or just doing these kind of things where I say, you know, I don't remember the last time I woke up and said, man, I'm going to go search Google today to find out who's going to check my brakes when they go out in six months, right? It's just, <laughs> right. it's just not, you know, the shopping experience on the sales side is a lot different, right? Because it's more of a want, it's more of a, hey, I'm, I'm looking for something, you know, I might take some time, I might be ready to buy today. They're kind of all over the place. I think that shopping for service is a needs-based. It's and to your point, you know, you most, and I'm a consumer as well, you know, the first time I hear my brakes squeak, I'm not probably looking for service, right? I kind of like, oh man, brakes are starting to squeak a little bit. Uh, when do people actually like call to get their brakes fixed? Is when they finally show it rolled up to a stoplight and the kid next to them is making fun of them because they heard them coming a half block away, right? I mean, you know, it can be that that late in the process. So it's like, hey, I'm ready to make a decision today. Where do I go? And if we haven't done a good job of putting us as the first, um, I guess, top of mind for the brand, uh, then then it comes down to people shopping, right? And so they go on to Google, all of a sudden they don't see anything that has anything to do with our dealership. So whether we're trying to get organic rankings or even paying for those rankings, you know, a lot of times people will recognize the the dealership and go, oh, that's, I recognize those guys. They actually are my, my dealership. Let me see what they have. Then it comes down to where are you going to drop those customers, right? If, if I, if, they always say that, you know, the longer, the more clicks it takes, the, the chance of that person bouncing increases exp exponentially, right? So um, I shop a lot online as well. And if, if you send me back to the homepage or you send me to a, um, you know, to a, a page that isn't relevant to what I was looking for, it makes it a lot tougher for that consumer to shop. So kind of building out that infrastructure on your website helps that because if someone's looking for an alignment service, Let's drive them to a piece of content that talks about alignments. Let's show them the price of that alignment. Let's make sure that they can schedule service or maybe call into our, our business development center and, and ask some questions. Um, it, it comes down to needs at the beginning, to, to your point, but then also being able to kind of bring them through that shopping journey to easily set an appointment with us, whether you're doing it online using an online scheduler or or you're, you know, calling into the the dealership, thinking, thinking, hey, I'm going to get my question answered. Hopefully, we're driving them into an environment where people pick up the phone, and secondly, can actually answer the questions and then guide them into an appointment standpoint. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, we do a really good job, I think, as an industry at the beginning of the relationship during that prepaid maintenance standpoint, maybe during that warranty. I think where it kind of falls off and where we really try to focus on are what we call late ownership services. It's it's getting customers the information when they're in a situation where now they've got to pay for service. Because if if everything is equal, I you know, most consumers are gonna go to to go to price. But if it's not a price-driven um purchase, but it's more I want to make sure that my car is running correctly and that it's safe for my family. I don't think price comes into it as much. It's it's more now you don't want to pay twice as much, but do I want to make sure I'm going to a place where I know they're going to take care of it? They're going to get the thing done right the first time. And then it comes down to the dealership actually doing that. And I I joke about that too like hey, 
we, we do a really good job of advertising and then, but do we actually fulfill, um, you know, what we say we're feeling? It's not a joking matter by any means, but it is something that a lot of times people don't really think about. They just want to get someone to the chair or get someone to the table. And then are they actually doing what they say? So it's kind of an, I mean, that's kind of the journey. And, uh, you know, hopefully, um, by being that that resource on the website, you know, we're, we're helping close that gap just a little bit if we can. Yeah. So thinking about, you know, that that transparency is kind of what I was hearing you describe, right? Taking somebody to a site and having the price for that alignment or having, you know, the ability to connect pretty easily. Um, and it all makes complete sense. Uh, how have you seen, because you've worked with a lot of dealers and a lot of large dealership groups over the last handful of years. Um, so have you seen anything from a best practice perspective on communicating pricing? Because at the end of the day, right, if I'm going to, if I have, if I have an issue with my vehicle, um, unless it's a very clear issue, right. Um, I'm going to take it in, it's going to get up on a lift, a technician's going to inspect it. Um, and then the technician's going to basically recommend the work that needs to be done. But until that inspection happens, um, the dealership is going to be pretty hard pressed to give you a price, right? Because they don't necessarily know what to fix. Um, so what's the balancing act there, maybe some best practices that you've seen on transparency, but also setting that expectation that, you know, this is going to take a minute for us to look at it to determine what actually needs to be done. Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I think I, you know, from a consumer standpoint, I, I like to look at things through that lens and then carry it into most consumers, right? Because I'm also, you know, dealing with this myself on a personal level. And what I really love about dealerships that I've gone to or that, you know, when, when I do go to the dealership to get service done is that they're not always recommending that I get stuff done today, right? Right. Sometimes it's like, hey, we've done this multi-point inspection. And there's a there's a handful of things that you know need to be done, but those can probably wait until next service. But let's just make sure you get them on the on your brain, so to speak, or you know get you thinking about it, so you know next time you come in, you're going to have those services that are going to probably get recommended. So that's something that I you know that's a, that's an honest approach, right? It's not just somebody trying to sell you on everything that that could potentially be going on because we we under you know I think dealerships. You know, and I think we all understand that everyone's under a little bit of a of a financial crunch, and and you know, so it's you can't just come in and be like, hey, I know you're here for an eighty dollar, you know, uh, oil change and tire rotation, but you know, now we're up to six, seven hundred dollars. Uh, would you like to do that today? I mean, that's not how things are typically done, right? So I think that's the the first thing is just making sure that you're honest and that you're you're helping consult, almost a consulting scenario where you're saying, hey, I think we could get one more service out of these before you get those things done. The other thing is, I think, you know, proof's in the pudding, right? And I think that um, trade pending, you know, I know uh, we talked a little bit about them at the beginning that, you know, they acquired us uh, in early October. Well, 60 days before that, they acquired SnapSell. And SnapSell is a video platform. Um, Obviously, they can use that video platform on the sales side, but where it's really helping on the service side is validity, right? to have a technician or somebody be able to do a video while that car's up on the lift and actually show that cabin air filter or show you know that particular issue, um, now it's not just hey me telling you or the dealership telling you that it's that it's that somebody at the dealership is showing it to you and I think I think that's all customers are really looking for is that transparency. Um, so I, I love the fact that they've included that into sort of their strategy as as a as a company. Because I think that video is going to continue to evolve, and I think there's a lot of great ways that um, 
that we can kind of help, you know, kind of bring it all together with some coupon strategies or offer strategies um, inside the video platform as well. And so I'm looking forward to some of that stuff. But I think it all kind of goes together in terms of how you can get beyond price, right? It's not just about price at that point. It's about the consult consultation. It's about being transparent. It's about providing proof that, that, hey, these things are things that need to be done in order to make sure that you leave here today with a vehicle that's safe for you and your family. And I think ultimately when you can bring all that together, inherently you're going to make more money as a dealership. And, and also obviously that's a goal, right? Uh, David Long always says, you know, we're a for-profit business and, and profit's not a, a, an ugly word, but, you know, it's got to be done a certain way. And I think it can be done with, um, you know, with the customer's best interest in mind. And I think anytime you have that mentality, uh, you'll win as a, as a company. So. Yeah, I agree. And and at the end of the day, you're providing value, right? It's okay to profit as long as you as long as what you're profiting is is equal to or you know less than the gap in value that you're creating for the the person giving you the money, right? For the for the customer. So um, okay. that's that's what dealerships I think are are great at is um, filling that value gap, you know. And and that's that's a reality. That's not a I don't think that's a positioning thing. I don't think that's a marketing thing. I think dealers really truly are excellent at creating value and. Uh, you know, that's, that's definitely not a bad thing. Um, there were a couple of things that you, you touched on. I just wanted to unpack a little bit. So the first one was, um, talking about those, those, uh, repair items that need to be done, maybe the next visit or two visits. So kind of those yellow items, right. Where yeah. the technicians identifying those, um, I, I would add to that and, and maybe you agree, maybe you don't, you'll tell me, but I would add to that, that when delivering those, it's extremely important to have an accurate quote delivered to the customer. And then that quote saved with that, with that customer. So the next time they come in or when you follow up and market to them later, um, you know, they're, they're not surprised by anything because a, they need to, in many cases, budget for it. To your point, if, if somebody says, Hey, I need a hundred bucks today, like, uh, hang on. Yeah. Um, but if you tell them, you know, your vehicle is probably going to need $800 worth of repairs in four months or six months, um, they can mentally prepare and, and if necessary, they can budget for it. Um, but again, it's also important when they come back in for it to be $800 and not 1250. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I also think there's got to be options, right? I mean, you know, one of the things that we did, um, I think it was mid 2021, is we put together a partnership with um, uh, two different repair finance companies. One was Sunbid and the other was Dignified. Um, what we realized was that a lot of the dealerships were not utilizing the repair financing opportunity um, as well as they could. And, and what I mean by that is that a lot of times it was being um, sort of introduced at a friction point. To your point, you've come in for a hundred dollar service, and now it's going to be six, seven hundred bucks. The first thing a customer typically wants to do is flee, right? They're like, "Get me out of this situation! I don't have the money. I don't want to. I don't want to have to go into it. Why I don't have the money per se, but I just, I just kind of want to get out of the situation." And so, next thing you know, their guards up, and they're they're saying, "Oh, let you know, I'm I'm not interested. You know, don't don't ask me about that. Whatever." Um, what we realized really early is that if we could pre-market that we do repair financing, that you can buy some of these services on a monthly um, type of, of, of scenario, maybe on a short-term you know, loan type of scenario, uh, it, it would do wonders for the dealership, not only from a, um, you know, from a uh, being able uh, from, for perceiving from the customer, but also from uh, just the ability to be able to drive more uh, customer pay revenue by utilizing some of those services. And so uh, it's worked really well. 
We've seen nothing but increases in pre-approvals. We've been seeing increases in, um, you know, the customer pay scenario that the dealerships are actually generating. Yeah, they might have to pay a little bit of a fee, but it's usually from a, a, a an RO ticket that they maybe would have not gotten otherwise. And uh, uh, that's something that we've always been big with. And, and I think that, you know, with um, Trade Pending now acquiring us, I, I feel like it's going to continue with some of their products is trying to bring products together or vendors together as opposed to siloing everybody. And uh, uh, we've always been big in that, it, you know, especially like with the Sunbit and Dignify scenario. It's like if you're utilizing those companies, let's work together to figure out how to, you know, create the best um, shopping environment for the consumers. And uh, um, there's a lot of great uh, great ideas. Uh, we haven't put a lot of them in play yet, but uh, I think things that can really um, drive uh, that that value for the uh, for the end customers, which is which is the service customer. Yeah, I love the idea of proactively marketing uh, repair financing, um, you know, because I think what uh, I'm, I'm more familiar personally with Sunbit and kind of what they do and how they operate. I assume that the other one you mentioned um, is extremely similar, but, uh, you know, they, they really do make it a lot easier for a customer to say yes. But I like the way you frame that up is don't introduce it at a friction point, because once once you're there, then you have to overcome something. Right. If you introduce it early on um, and at least make the customer understand that there are options um, or help them understand that there are options, then when that situation arises, there's there's less friction. Right. Which is what what you're trying to do. Um, you know, the other thing that you mentioned, uh, Owen, that I wanted to dive into was Snapsell and video in general. And this one is really interesting to me. I mean, we're all in on video as well. I mean, we've done a lot of work with consumers over the last couple of years and asking them, you know, what do you expect? What do you want? What would you pay more for? And and one of the areas that we we had a lot of discussions around were, were videos and pictures, right? And you ask consumers, what do you want in a service visit? And you get to this pictures and videos conversation. And I mean, I think the number is 68% said, yeah, I really would like to see and I would pay more if I had the confidence that the repair being recommended to me was actually needed, right? So pictures mm-hmm. and videos hold a lot of value for consumers. Um, but when when they're delivered, there's also this caveat of they have to be done well, right? So you yeah. have a technician with their phone and trying to take a picture or a video and it's not well lit and, you know, there's a grease smear on the, the lens and it's just, you know, maybe it's maybe it's um, uh, good audio, maybe it's poor audio, maybe there's stuff going on in the background, you can't really hear them. So anyhow, I, I do believe that there also needs to be a focus and I'm curious, as you've been exposed to this a little more, what your thoughts are on, you know, training from a technician perspective, especially on, okay, how do you do these videos? And then also, you know, what's the result? Because, you know, obviously, that's not your core job. Your core job is to diagnose and fix the vehicle. The advisor's job is to sell the work. Um, But if you can document why it's needed, and you can do that effectively, uh, more work's going to come back to you, right at the end of the day. And that's that high dollar work that you were talking about earlier, that repair work, that highly profitable work. So I'm curious what you've seen, or or what your thoughts on there are on, uh, you know, video creation. Yeah, it's it's a great point. It's a valid point. And you know, one thing I will know we know is that the the technician um, you know job in the automotive industry is typically um, a little later you know job for or how do I say this? We know that technicians are sort of aging out in our industry, right? They're they're in their sixties in a lot of cases and stuff. And you know, I'm I'm forty eight years old and I'm still not great with video. You know, like I didn't grow up in that age, right? So I've had to I've had to teach myself how to utilize social media and video and things like that to be effective. Imagine somebody 20 years older 
that has been a technician their whole life, where they've been in the back turning wrenches and and working on cars, they don't they don't get that customer interaction as well. So 100, percent it's definitely um, a problem, not a problem, but a challenge for the uh, for the industry is to get uh, those technicians comfortable with um, with being on video. I, I will say this: uh, the nice thing about it, and I think the ones that have been able to embrace it and do a good job because they know the, the product or the, the uh, information so well, right? When you yep. know the information, I always know that like when I'm speaking in, in front of an audience, if I know the information really well or if it's something that I've you know, been, to, been talking about or, or had you know, sort of access to for a long time, everything's a lot more natural. I feel more confident, that type of thing. Um, I think that's where the technicians can really help because everything that they talk about is what they live. And so you know, even if you say, hey, look, you know, just just get into the just get into it. You know, don't try to do a big intro and outro and all this stuff. Just be like, hey, you know, uh, Owen, I'm here. I'm you know, I, I'm working on your car today. Um, I noticed a couple of things, so I'm just going to show you exactly what I'm seeing, and then that way you can make a good decision. And then get them right into the part where they're comfortable because they're they're the experts at that part of it. Now all of a sudden it should at least flow a little bit better. But uh, but you're right. Just like anything, it's all about training. It's all about you know doing role playing. Um, I speak at some of the twenty groups out there, um, you know, NADA and, and even like with like Shift Digital when they put on some of their digital summits, and that's an exercise that they actually do that they have everybody take and, and do some video um, training just to just to get access to it. It might be the first time that anybody's actually you know done a, a video trying to explain something. It it you know, and it doesn't have to be polished. You know, that's the other thing. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be sincere. And it's got to get the point across. And I think that as long as you focus on those things, um, the customer is going to be happy that you're at least just sending them something that they can see. So, Yep, yep, absolutely. And I, and I do think it's important, too, to note, um, you know, there's a lot of value in having that video be tied to the RO or be tied to your system in some way, shape, or form. You mentioned SnapCell, a good company that, that has software to, to help facilitate this, right? Um, we have a product called uh, ServiceNap does does the same thing, right? Where it's yeah. it, And it's integrated in with the RO and it saves with the RO. Um, but there, there's a lot of value in having that accessible to everybody in the dealership versus a technician just taking a video on their phone and texting it to, to the customer, texting it to the advisor, um, you know, owning that and then and then having it documented. So, you know, and maybe it's even something as simple as, you know, this is going to need done the next time you're in. Right. And then, hey, the next time they're in, either you can market to them, um, host that video on maybe it's on a landing page. Right. And you can send them an email that says, you know, these are the three services that we said that that may need to be done. We'll check it out when you're in for your appointment. Um, But here's a refresher. Right. And you send them the video that they saw four months ago. Uh, So so having that kind of in one place and in a software platform, um, I think there's a lot of value in that, too. So using using video is one thing and then, um, you know, keeping kind of dealership ownership of that video where you can leverage it later is also really important. Well, there's so many laws these days from, you know, yeah. from solicitation on text message and, and different unwarranted, um, you know, communication strategies and things like that. So I think it has to be done through the, the dealership. I also like at any time you can, you know, put together, you know, I know, you know, we talk about that's, that's what we've been talking about is a little more of that one-on-one, but I think mm-hmm. it can also be um, done through, you know, other videos that can be reused with different clients, you know, I mean, if it's not something that's directly affecting their service today, but more of a branding message or things like that, it's great to have those, those canned videos waiting to be able to send to a customer. And then maybe even letting customers um, schedule online, maybe let them pay online, 
you know, or pay through the these these different uh, interfaces. A lot of different things that um, you know drive um, that uh, that whole consumer experience, which is I think is is you know definitely a buzzword that's you know that's been in the industry now for a couple of years. Is how can we create a better experience for our service customers because we know that that we're not the cheapest in most cases. We know that we might not be the most convenient because sometimes we're out to your point at the beginning of this, this discussion was we're out maybe a week on an oil change or, or, you know, on some sort of a maintenance type of scenario. So what things can we do to let customers understand that, Hey, we're still the right option, even though we may not be the cheapest and we may not be the most convenient because ultimately that's what the Jiffy lubes, the pet boys, all of them have been, they've been screaming that from the rooftops for, for years and line is that they're the the cheaper, more convenient option. And, um, you know, we, we got to get better at that. There's no doubt. I think as an industry, we have to get better. Um, we have to be more transparent. We have to be able to get people through faster. Um, but you know, even if we're, are a little bit later, you know, a little bit longer in the process, they're going to leave knowing that that's been done correctly the first time. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Well, Owen, let's, if you don't mind, I, I want to shift gears a little bit um, and talk about the uh, the recent acquisition. It's exciting stuff. Hopefully for you, it was exciting. But I think about, you know, you mentioned that you had started uh, started the company Fix Ops Digital in 2018. You said early 18. So uh, that wasn't that long ago, right? Wow. That was, you know, less than six years ago. Um, and then coming, you know, kind of into this this new world um, of an acquisition and joining Trade Pending, which Trade Pending is also interesting because, um, I mean, they're owned by, I forget the name of it, but it's a private equity firm, yep. right? So that adds a different yep. layer to the transaction, which is interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, just your perspective, kind of what that journey has been like and if, you know, share what you what you can or what you want to. But, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting for you. Congratulations. But uh, also just curious what that what that looked like. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's better. It's it it it, it happened. Everyone says it kind of happened fast, but it was actually a two-year journey with uh, the trade pending uh, team. I remember the first time I met with uh, Joe Dallas and um, a, a gentleman named Jim. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those. I was running one of my first booths, um, probably twenty twenty-one, something like that. And um, they, uh, you know, they called. They, they said, "Hey, we'd love to just sit down and chat with you about your business." And at that time, we were probably more focused on the uh, services side of our business, you know, kind of building out content on the websites and, and that type of thing. And, and through that uh, 2020, 2021, some timeframe, I had had several conversations with some companies um, that were just kind of looking to, you know, kind of see where our, what our long-term vision was, because we were self-funded. Um, you know, we grew pretty fast. Uh, I think anytime you can meet um, a dealership at a, at a point of a need, you're going to get a lot more adoption. And I think that happened to us relatively fast because we weren't coming in with something that was already being done. It was something that was kind of new. You know, with the pandemic, a lot of dealerships had to kind of use skeleton crews on the sales side, but their service side was was kind of moving. Uh, when we had the inventory shortage, it again, put another spotlight on the, the fixed operations side of the business. Um, it catapulted our growth. It just, we, we kept doubling and, you know, adding more people and, and that type of thing. And so when we, when we sat down this, you know, I sat down with my partners, and I said, okay, who are we looking for? Like what, what type of company would we like to, you know, put our small boat maybe on a bigger boat and, um, you know, trade penny just kind of kept coming to the top of the, the list for, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, they've got a large sales team, right. And that's something that, as a smaller company, we would never be able to invest in a 
in a large sales operation. Um, I really like the people, like their executive leadership team. Um, you know, Bryce, uh, the CEO, and and Joe uh, Dallas, guys that you know. As I was talking to them, I'm like, okay, these guys had a similar story when they, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of grew their business as well. You know, just kind of, um, you know, blue collar, roll your sleeves up, go go get in front of dealerships and and provide value. And so, you know, those conversations were easy. I think where it got a little bit more difficult was, you know, to your point, anytime you throw a private equity firm into the mix, um, and, and CapStreet was great to work with, uh, a lot of really great That's people. Right. That's that, the name of it. Yeah, that yeah, we got Cap to Street, meet. Yep. Um, but, you know, they're looking at things from a little more of a data standpoint. So a lot of a lot of spreadsheets, you know, a lot of P&L stuff, you know, things like that. And then just a lot of like, if this acquisition happens, how do we move forward together to make that one plus one equal three? And I think that's something that uh, we found pretty pretty quickly that that we had a plan. And uh, you know, we're only you know, Bryce says said last week on our all company call. You know, we're six weeks into a into a plan here, and uh, you know, we're just sort of prepping and getting everything ready for a big twenty twenty four and uh, and beyond. And uh, super excited for that. You know, for that whole thing. Um, you know, definitely been um, a little bit of a load off my shoulders because as a smaller company that, you know, we had 27 employees and 800 clients and, you know, and it's like kind of the pressure on, on that every day can, can be, can be a little bit too much. And, um, you know, we seem to handle it pretty good as an executive leadership team, but uh, it was really nice to be able to sort of kind of, you know, roll us into a bigger company and say, okay, we have all so many more resources now to be able to, you know, do more marketing or to get into sales or to, you know, kind of get us into some of these larger groups that, uh, that trade pending has partnered with. And, uh, we're already starting to see the, you know, sort of that evolve, um, even on the short term, but I think long term, uh, you know, that's what I'm most excited about is just the, the, uh, the opportunity to really, uh, just to put our product into more dealerships because that's all we ever really wanted to do was service more dealers. And I think this will be a great way for that to happen. So. No, that's great. That's great. Congratulations again. Um, you know, lots of positives, obviously. What's What's been the hardest part? Patience. Um, I would say <laughs> patience. Yeah, well, because, I mean, think about it. As a small company, we we moved pretty agile, right? It was like, yeah. you know, like we get into a tech call and, you know, I'd have an idea for Weather React, which you brought up earlier, right? Which was yeah. like, hey, let's, let's build in some weather options where if somebody comes to the website and it's raining, we're pushing those relevant offers to the top, you know? Um, we'd meet on a Wednesday with my tech team by the two Wednesdays later, they might have a prototype kind of ready to, or, you know, sort of a, a planned what they're going to do. And then maybe two Wednesdays later after that. So a month later, we'd have, you know, all this, uh, this, uh, thing pretty much ready to kind of go live. Um, you get into a little bigger organization and, you know, you've got to do a few more meetings. You've got to bring, make sure all the right people are in the room. Um, so I'm learning that. And that's something that's been kind of ch- uh, exciting. It's, it's challenging, but it's also exciting because I'd much rather, you know, be able to work with a lot of um, a lot more people that are in a, in, in a department per se, whether it's marketing or, or sales or technology, anything. Um, you know, that's the things that I'm kind of learning how to uh, kind of work inside a much bigger environment. Um, so it's been a little bit more of a challenge for me. I think for a lot of my employees or my former employees that are still with us, um, you know, it's sort of business as usual. They got up, you know, they kind of knew we, we sold and and that we've gotten acquired and we're, we're sort of joining forces. By Monday, 
they were back just doing their normal job. You know, it's been a little different for me just being the, uh, you know, as the CEO of Fixed Out Digital, um, you know, I was uh, driving a lot more uh, vision and, and relationships and things like that, that uh, I've now sort of brought into the trade pending world. And uh, they've had people that obviously kind of handle some of that. So, um, which is great. I mean, again, again, I think it's going to provide uh, us with a lot more op- opportunity to grow. And uh, uh, but you know, in the first six weeks, that's probably been the most challenging for me is just a little bit of patience. <laughs> so yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a change, and uh, you know, like you described, I mean, it's an opportunity to grow. I'm sure for you, but uh, um, regardless, very exciting, and and uh, you know, wish you nothing nothing but success, which I'm sure you'll have, and and the the broader trade pending team as well. Um, you know, it'll mm-hmm. be. I'm sure just the start of a really fun, really fun journey. Um, but as, yeah, as we kind of go ahead, you know, with the way that they grew, um, I don't anticipate that it'll be anything less than, than, uh, additional growth as we continue to move forward. It's, uh, you know, I've been a sales guy my whole life. So to, to even in the short term, watch the, the sales engine move that trade pending has developed. Um, it's exciting for me. I, I look at it and say, okay, I can't wait till, you know, fix up digital gets fully integrated into that world. And, and, uh, you know, we see, uh, we see that, uh, you know, those, those, uh, maybe dealership enrollments coming in, knowing that we're able to service another dealership or another dealership group. And so, um, we're, we're in the prepping mode right now. It's what November, you know, so, you know, towards the end of this year, as we kind of start to roll that out, um, as we kind of prepare for NADA in 2024 and that type of thing, I think it'll all start to really come together and uh, we'll have a nice message that we'll be able to bring out to the to the dealership um, body, and and they'll embrace it. So, good. No, that's that's great. That's great, and I agree. I saw you look down into the right there when you when you said the month November. You probably had to look down at your clock on your computer <laughs> to make sure that you were in the right month. The way things have been going for you. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's like all of a sudden it went from <laughs> August to November really quick. So, <laughs> no, I'm sure. Well, and I want to be super respectful of your time. You know, I've had a had a great conversation. I could talk to you for for hours, or yeah. uh, like you said at the beginning days probably. But um, anything else you want to touch on before we uh, before we hop out of here? Anything we we didn't talk about that we should at all? No, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd end it with this, and that is, if you're a dealership, kind of listening to this or watching this, you know marketing, which is obviously what we do a lot of and what we really kind of focus on, um, is a big part of your business. But uh, I always tell dealerships, like, your people and your processes should come first. And that's part that I see still dealerships kind of struggling with is that uh, they're just not, uh, you know, focused as much on the the consumer side of it um, from, you know, people and training, from getting their processes correct. Because if you can turn that marketing uh, faucet on, and maximize those opportunities, um, you're going to see the success. But if you turn that marketing faucet on and you've got some processes that aren't in place or you maybe don't have a, a great experienced staff, you know, you're going to just put more more opportunities into maybe a bad funnel. And so really focus on your people, focus on those processes, and then turn that marketing faucet on. And I think when you do that, um, you're going to you know set yourself up for you know success in 2024 and, and for the future. So. Very well said. A lot to, uh, lot to take in there. Definitely appreciate it. Um, so, Owen, as we, as we hop out, I'm going to um, try to digest the fact that you're uh, 48 years old. You look fantastic. Uh, so, you. <laughs> you know, can't, uh, when you said that, it kind of caught me off guard. But, uh, you know, I really do appreciate you taking time today to talk. It was a great conversation. Um, and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. But uh, if, if not, I'll see you, see you at NADA in Vegas for sure. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been great to kind of 
running alongside you guys. And uh, as I got to meet Brad, you know, uh, earlier this summer at uh, one of the conferences and stuff, I uh, really like what you guys are doing. So uh, keep, keep, you know, fighting the good fight, as they say, and uh, we'll see you uh, in early 2024. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. What a fun conversation with Owen Moon, co-founder of Fixed Ops Digital. Uh, big congratulations to him and his team on their new journey uh, after the acquisition by Trade Pending. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Don't forget, before we hop off here, you can watch or listen to all episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, or Spotify podcasts. And make sure to hit subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in two weeks.